Father. Grab your Bibles, if you would, please, tonight. I've got a fair bit of ground to cover this evening, and so I'm going to get right to it. I will mention uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you turn there with me. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. I will mention uh, one uh, album that we have. Uh, if you're interested in getting an album that's all a cappella but has hymns on it, we've got one called Acapella Hymns. And the songs on this are The Solid Rock, Be Thou My Vision, Amazing Grace, My Anchor Holds, Even His Eyes on the Sparrow. I don't know that qualifies as a hymn, but it's a gospel song, and I wanted to put it on here. <laughs> Great is thy faithfulness, I will sing of my Redeemer. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. There are a number of those on here, as well as a couple uh, hymns that have been written more recently. Uh, our goal is to provide God's people uh, with music that is creative within biblical boundaries. And those are, that's a hard balance sometimes to find. Uh, because, um, well, it's just difficult, right? Because uh, that, that means you have to be balanced in your approach. And uh, so many things that we see today are just all out and out crazy. And uh, that's the, you know, biblical term, crazy, right? Uh, and uh, we don't feel like we have to borrow from the world's uh, music in order to be creative. Uh, at the same time, I also think our music needs to be alive and creative because uh, I don't think the Lord is pleased with just funeral music all the time either, right? So we want to strike that biblical balance. And uh, in fact, I do have a message on music. I don't know that I'm preaching it tomorrow night. I'm considering uh, but uh, it's over there on our table titled The Power of Music. I had the privilege of preaching it at Pensacola Christian College uh, a, a year or two ago. And if you want a copy of that on DVD, we have it over there. If you're physically able to stand, I'd like to ask you to do so. <clears throat> Give you a chance to stand as well as out of respect for the reading of the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, beginning in verse number 9. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. The title of my message tonight is this, Building Toward the Day of the Lord. Building Toward the Day of the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Lord, would you help me tonight? You know my heart. I want to express this truth. I know folks are out on a Tuesday night. We all have busy lives. But Lord, I pray you'd help me in these last 29 minutes or so we have remaining, that you would guide me. Lord, fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. <clears throat> the Bible teaches that it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. That means that there is a judgment for every person on this earth. There's a judgment for every person in this room. The Bible teaches that there are actually, there is actually more than just one judgment. In fact, one that we won't focus on tonight, but I do want to mention is one entitled the Great White Throne Judgment. 
The great white throne judgment, friend, if you appear at the great white throne judgment, it's too late for you already. Because only those who have not trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior will appear at the great white throne judgment. So I ask you, I beg of you today, if you have not trusted Christ, oh friend, make today that day. It doesn't matter if you're here in this building, if you're watching the live stream, if you're watching this on recording, uh, if you've not trusted Christ, oh friend, trust him tonight because he has made the way to have your sins forgiven and you won't appear at the great white throne judgment. However, there is a judgment that believers will be at. Sometimes we call it the judgment seat of Christ. Those of you who've heard me preach this week, you know that I tend to do this. I tend to start with a passage, then we talk a little bit, and then we answer the questions I bring up by going back to the passage. That's what I'd like to do right now. So those of you who are guests, don't think that we're ignoring the Word of God here for a few minutes, all right? I'm setting up some questions that we're going to answer according to Scripture. People have three theories of what's going to happen at the judgment seat of Christ. Three theories, all right? Theory number one. I call the angel on the shoulder with a video camera theory. The angel on the shoulder with a video camera theory. I call this the angel on the shoulder with a video camera theory because it's kind of like all throughout your life, there's an angel on your shoulder with a video camera. That's why I call it the angel on the shoulder with a video camera theory. And he's recording everything that you do, everything that you think, everything that you say, everything you should have said that you didn't, everything that you did do that you shouldn't have done, all that stuff, it's all being recorded. It's being sent up to heaven. Uh, we used to say recorded on a VCR. Do anyone remember those days? Now it would be on a heavenly flash drive. And when you stand before the Lord, a screen like this, only much bigger, is going to fall from the heavens. It's going to show up there, and your life is going to be played back on that screen for all saints of all eternity to see, including, of course, then the Lord Jesus Christ also. That's the angel on the shoulder with a video camera theory. The second theory a lot of people have is what I call the modified angel on the shoulder with a video camera theory. It's just like the first theory. There's still kind of an angel on your shoulder. It's kind of like everything you do is being recorded. It's all being saved so that it shows up in heaven one day. But the difference is that if you confess a sin, it's erased from the tape or USB drive or whatever, right? But the point of this one is that theoretically, if you could remember every sin you ever committed, if you could make sure that you, quote unquote, keep short accounts with God, you can make sure that your life, as it's played back, all the bad parts will be skipped over and you could stand before the Lord unashamed. I call that the modified angel on the shoulder with a video camera theory. The third theory is what I call the group pass theory. This is kind of a reaction to the first two, and it basically states that there's no individual accountability at the judgment seat of Christ. All of us will go into heaven all together in one big, huge group. And over all of us, Jesus will say, well done, thou good and faithful servants, enter into the joy of thy Lord. And, uh, you know, we can, maybe the Lord's way up there and we can kind of hide behind each other a little bit because there'll be so many of us and there won't be individual attention. 
the group pass theory. How many of you would agree with me that it's vitally important that we get our doctrine from the Word of God and not a novel? How many of you believe that no matter its goodness or not goodness or our debate or whatever, we don't get our doctrine from a television show? Right? I'm not trying to be controversial. I'm just trying to say, hey, listen, people can be creative all they want, but what we need to do is make sure that we are people of the book, where we go back to the book and find the answers to our questions, because I can make up an answer, but my answer may be just as good as yours or worse than yours or whatever. That doesn't matter. We need to find out what does the Word of God say. Well, first of all, let's answer these three theories, okay? And we're going to work backwards. I want to answer the group pass theory first. It's kind of the easiest to tear apart. Because even in this very passage, we tear that apart easily because he says here in verse number 13, every man's work shall be made manifest. You see that? Verse 14, if any man's work abide, over and over again. Uh, uh, in fact, if you want, you can. we won't go there tonight, but in Romans chapter 14, it talks about, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. That word account is a tax term. We're coming up on tax season right now, aren't we? Isn't that fun? I've got that to look forward to when we get back home, after we travel home, uh, after the revival's over, after the week's over. That's the word there for account. It's a tax term. It means every one of us individually will give account to the Lord. I'm not going to hide behind you. You're not going to hide behind me. There's going to be a time when us individually, when we will stand before the Lord. Group pass theory. Not biblical. Well, what about those other theories? You know, the angel on the video, uh, 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 angel with a video camera on the shoulder theories. I want to tell you tonight, this truth that I discovered, I discovered this truth when I was in Bible college. This truth has changed my life more than anything else other than, the, than salvation, obviously. And I want to share with you two sides to the coin that I learned as I was studying. And I want to answer these theories with the two sides of this coin. The first side of the coin is this. The judgment seat of Christ is not about salvation. Can we just get that out of the way first? Let's just get that out of the way, all right? The judgment seat of Christ is not about salvation. In fact, he says here, if you fail this judgment, if everything goes wrong and, and, and this fire, which we'll deal with at the very end, uh, burns everything up, what does he say? He himself yet shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Well, what does that mean, yet so as by fire? We'll deal with that, okay? But the point is, he shall be saved. You see, friend, once you trust Jesus Christ and his forgiveness is applied to your account, you're saved. You're secure. And no man, the Bible says, can pluck you out of the Father's hand. By the way, that includes yourself. I know some people, some godly people who would say, well, you know, if I, you know, if I sin too much, then I lose my salvation. Listen, your, your salvation is secure not because of what you do, but because of what he did. Oh, I'm grateful for that, aren't you? <laughs> there are some days I don't feel very saved. There are some days where I, I, I fail my Lord. But my salvation isn't dependent on me. I like to think about it like, a, like getting on a plane. The first time I ever flew in a plane was 
when they let planes fly again after 9-11. So, I mean, the, the security was insane. Plus, I've got a dark, I mean, I shaved, okay? I, I've got a dark complexion, and it was much darker then. And uh, I got pulled out of every line, you know, because, you know, and I, I like to have this. I have a little psoriasis on my, on my chin here, so I've, I've just grown this goatee for a long time. And uh, covers that up, you know. Well, they pull me out every, I didn't mind, you know, after everything that had happened, you know, all this. <laughs> but it was the first time I'd ever flown. And I was a little bit nervous. I got to be honest with you. I was just a little nervous. And I'm thinking to myself, why do they have seat belts? Keep you strapped to the wreckage. What, what's this going to do? <laughs> you know, keep me safe in a collision, you know. Keep me safe as they, you know, park the plane. I don't know. I didn't. But I started realizing something. And every once in a while, if we hit, as I travel, uh, airfare and all the or airplanes and such, you know, we'll hit some turbulence every once in a while. And I would be lying to you if I said it didn't make me nervous. But, you know, at that point, once you're on the plane, my safety is not determined by how well I sit in my seat. It's really not. It's determined by the skill of the pilot. When you get on a plane, you're trusting that that pilot is going to get you safely to your next destination. Listen, friend, when you trust Jesus Christ, you're getting on that plane. Now, you can choose if you want to ride white-knuckled and try to help the plane. Think light thoughts. Think light thoughts. You can try to pull your seat up. You know, keep it in the air. But you're not doing anything to help that plane fly. Listen, friends, when you're saved, you're always saved. You don't have to help Jesus keep you saved. In fact, the Bible says the Holy Spirit of God comes into your heart and seals you into the day of redemption. How many of you remember, uh, uh, maybe you like, how many of you like pickles? Remember those jars of pickles that got the, the seal lid and it go when you open it up? I love those things. You know, I'll play with that lid, like a five-year-old. What are you doing? Well, it's a sign that it's sealed, right? Now, I don't know the last time you compared the Holy Spirit sealing you to a jar of pickles. But every time I open a jar of pickles, I think of that. Now, and I don't think we're all going to get to heaven and go, you know, <laughs> we're here. <laughs> but I love that picture. So let's just get that off the table, all right? The judgment seat of Christ is not about salvation. But I also want you to see this. The judgment seat of Christ is not about sin. Hmm. Look at our passage here tonight. You don't find sin mentioned anywhere. In fact, the closest you can get to it is at the beginning of the passage where he's talking about the Corinthians who are carnal. By the way... The Corinthian church was a horrible example of a church in 1 Corinthians. So, you know, let that be a, a warning as, as, our, as charismatic folks will come here and try to draw principles and such that aren't there. Paul is correcting a lot of things that were going on in that church. But that's a different message, okay? But they were carnal, and carnality in and of itself, I, you can make the argument that it's sin. I, I kind of, as I come to Scripture and I see it defined, I see it more as immaturity that leads to sin. 
You could argue that point back and forth with me. That's fine. Because he's here saying that they're supposed to be upgraded to meat, but they're still stuck on milk, right? They're not progressing forward. So what are they going to end up doing? Well, they're going to stumble. They're going to fall. But really the topic is growth, is spiritual growth. And, and, and it's not about sin here. You see that? Why? Why not? Why isn't the judgment seat about sin? Listen, here's why. Because when Jesus paid for your sin debt on the cross of Calvary, he paid every debt off. I love the Old Testament picture that we're given, that he told the Israelites he'd remove their sin as far as the east is from the west. I'm sure glad he didn't say north and south. You can come to the end of north. In fact, one night in a revival meeting, I said, uh, I'll pay you $5 if you bring me the North Pole. Right? No, that's not it. What did I say? What did I say to that kid? The nor- Generally, I said it. It was a long time ago. <laughs> All I remember is a kid came in. I said, well, I'll give you $5 if you, if you bring me the North Pole. Something like that. It was in Midland. And, uh, and I remember this kid came in really creatively. He had taken a broom handle, and he had posted a card on top of it that said North Pole. And I had said, I'll give you $5, you bring me the North Pole. So he walks up, you know, well, what'd you do, Brother Ben? Well, I got a piece of paper out and wrote $5 on it and gave it to him. <laughs> you can find the North Pole. It's not really what it is. That's the point, is that it's not a real pole, right? Uh, you can find the North Pole, you can find the South Pole, but you'll never find the East Pole. You'll never find the West Pole. You can travel forever, for all eternity. You'll never come to the end of West. Well, that's where my sin is. Every sin on him was laid. And you know what, friends? If he says, I'll bury your sin in the deepest sea. Remember that Sunday school song? Buried in the G-O-N-E, gone, right? Gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. I haven't sung that forever. What's the next part? Something, now I am free and in my heart's a song. Something like that. Buried in the deepest sea. Yes, that's good enough for me. I shall live eternally. Praise God, my sins are what? Geo and he gone. Amen. Forgiven, forgotten, forever. Now, friends, this is the first part of that coin I was telling you about. I was sitting in my desk at Bible college, and I had taken the day off of classes because I just wasn't feeling very well. And I just had stayed in my dorm room, and I came to this passage, and I started realizing that the absence of sin here, the reason there's no, he's not talking about sins because all my sin was forgiven. And I started realizing something. Do you realize that if God brought your sin back up to you in heaven, that would make him a liar? You say, well, Brother Ben, yeah, that first theory about the angel on the shoulder with a video camera, that's not true. But what about the second theory? Where you try to confess your sin so that it gets erased from the tape. What if I miss a sin? Let me ask you, how much of your sin was covered? All of it. There's a different reason why we confess our sin to the Lord. It's because it's kind of like a father to a son when, when a son stumbles and, and falls, and etc. But it's not because we're trying to get our sin erased. Because our sin's already covered. Now, friends, 
I don't know, just about everywhere I go when I preach this message, there's somebody in the congregation that never realized that their sin is already paid for and already taken care of and they'll never see it again. There's so many believers that operate out of guilt and fear uh, because they think their sin is going to show up in heaven somehow. Listen, that's not how it works. Your sin is gone. (laughs) One evangelist said years ago, if that doesn't light your fire, your wood's wet. <laughs> well, hopefully it makes you curious. Well, Brother Ben, we've, we've talked around the passage. We've taken principles from the passage, but what about the other side of the coin then? I'm glad you asked. So Paul is the one that comes in and he says, I've laid the foundation. What's the foundation? Jesus Christ. The foundation for your salvation is Jesus Christ. I want you to imagine with me, if you would, that this pulpit... We're going to use, do a little visual illustration here. Brandon, would you help me with some hymn books? Bring me some hymn books up here. I, I only need, let's do four. I want you to imagine this pulpit is the foundation, okay? And then Paul says, let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. All right, well, what's he talking about here? Well, many of you here, thank you. In fact, we'll set them back here. I'll take them one by one here in a second. There's going to be some of you here that, maybe all of you, that know a lot more about building than I do. But I know you've got to have a good foundation. Well, Jesus is our foundation. When you trust him, he's the foundation of your life. You don't have to worry about your foundation cracking, sinking, giving way. But then we're supposed to take care, take heed how we build on that. Okay, well, what does that mean? Verse 11, verse 12, rather. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. There's six building materials. Okay, well then how do we determine, obviously three are good and three are bad. We know that because the fire is going to burn up all the stuff that's flammable and leave the good stuff. Okay, well then how do we know, how how can we get to the good stuff? Okay, let's look, verse 13. Every man's what shall be made manifest? Work, see that? Look at verse 14. If any man's what abide? Work. Look at verse 15. If any man's what shall be burnt? Work. Say, Brother Ben, okay, help me out here. I don't, work, what's that? Okay, follow me. This is it. This is it. Work is what you do with what God has given you. Work is what you do with what God has given you. The judgment seat is not about salvation. The judgment seat is not about sin. The judgment seat is about stewardship. God has given you, each and every one of us, God has given us stewardship. Stewardship of what? What does that mean? Well, let's see. I I need a young volunteer. We had a young volunteer. Would you like to volunteer or does that make you nervous? It's not going to be hard. All I need you to do is hold on to that for me. Can you do that? Is that okay? What's your name? Emily. Emily? Emily. Oh, Annalie. Very nice to meet you. Thank you so much. Can you take care of that for me? Great. Look at that. She's taking care of that. What did I just do? I gave her a stewardship, right? She's taking care of that CD for me. In fact, you take care of a good job. You probably don't have a CD player, but uh, you can have that if you take care of it. How about that? Does that be all right? All right. Maybe your dad can get it burned, you know, MP3-wise or whatever you want to do, brother. Okay. 
I gave her a stewardship. I gave her something to take care of. Do you realize, friend, that's what Jesus does with every one of us? God gives us, well, sometimes we call it time, talent, and treasure, right? That's a good way to remember it, as long as it doesn't become cliche. He's given us all time. We don't know how much, but we're supposed to use it for him. He's given us talent. You might say, well, Brother Ben, I can't sing or I can't play the piano. Talent is anything you can do for ministry. Well, Brother Ben, I'm not in the ministry. No, 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 no. Ministry is anything I do or say to bring another person closer to Christ. You can have ministry at the shop. You can have ministry sitting down at a restaurant fellowshipping with somebody. See, ministry is anything I do or say to help another person get closer to Christ. So, so follow me here, because this, this is what blew my mind, okay? God has given me responsibilities, and I'm supposed to use them for him. Now, I will use myself as an illustration because I know myself, right? But God gave me, let's use an example. I have some musical ability. Well, I'm responsible to use that. For what? For my own gain? No. I'm responsible to use that for him. Now, you don't know if I'm using it for me or for him. Because you don't know my motivation. If I get up and sing and I think to myself, oh, I hope people think I'm a great singer. That was selfish and that was proud. And guess what? I just put a brick, I'm going to use the term brick, of wood or hay or stubble into my spiritual building. Do you follow me? However, if I get up and I say, Lord, I want to be a blessing to your people. I want to honor you and what I'm doing. And I do that out of a right motivation. Guess what? In my spiritual building, I believe there's a literal spiritual building, by the way. He says it. It's got to be something. I believe that's gold, silver, precious stones. All throughout our life, the decisions that we make, we're building this spiritual building. I don't know if it's like a little model. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm just going with what Paul says here. And at the end, when we stand before the Lord, what's going to happen is the fire of God is going to fall on this and anything we did for ourselves, anything we did that was uh, uh, motivated by pride or whatever, it's just going to burn up. And only what we did out of the pure motivation for the Lord is going to stay. Now, why did that change your life, Brother Ben? Well, here's the testimony, and we'll be done tonight. I want to stress that what I'm about to tell you, my pastor did not teach me. My parents did not teach me. But I ended up with a wrong thought about how God worked. I grew up in a musical household. I sang a lot, played a lot as I was growing up. And I started to think this thought, that God was pleased with me based on my performance, how well I performed. So if I forgot a word, if I played a wrong note, if the worst time was at Bible college when I was in front of the student body and I forgot where I was playing the piano and I play by ear, can give you a really sore ear, by the way. It's a dad joke, sorry. But I forgot where I was, and it was really embarrassing. And I, the worst part of it was I thought I'd failed the Lord. Well, no one taught me that God was pleased with me based on my performance, but I was living my life that way. 
when I started realizing something, it wasn't about the performance. Oh, and I started getting sick, by the way. I was so intense about this that my stomach hurt all the time. Um, I, it was just awful. But I started realizing something that if I were to take the things that God had given me and use them for him, that's what he's going to look at. Now, I want to be good at what I do, right? Because I want to minister more effectively. But it's not to make Jesus love me more. See the difference? In fact, <laughs> Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, right? Jesus loves you more, you know, you don't need to earn his love. Imagine walking with Jesus. Imagine seeing Jesus. Do you ever do that? Wonder what it's like? Wonder what it's going to be like when we see our Savior? One of my favorite passages in all scriptures when Jesus says to Thomas, You see because, uh, you believe because you've seen. Blessed are they who, having not seen, yet believe. Because that's you and me. But one day we're going to see Jesus. We're going to see him. There he is. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what we're allowed to do. I mean, I don't know what that's going to be. I'm, I'm going to, I, we'll fall down and worship him. I know that. Will we say, I love you? I, thank you. <laughs> that just seems so small, doesn't it? Well, can I ask you a question? Think about this. What's the point of building a spiritual building? We get these uh, gold and silver and precious stones. What's the point of it? I know, Brother Ben. We put it in an, an eternal bank. And draw compound interest for all eternity. That's not it. Well, I know, Brother Ben. It goes into our mansion, so I can have a better mansion than you. <laughs> That's not where it goes. Friends, when we see Jesus, we're going to want to say thank you to him. You know how we're going to do that? What do the four and twenty elders do with the crowns they get? Do they keep them? They throw them at the feet of Jesus. I'm not going to throw these hymn books, all right? But I'm going to tell you right now, when I see Jesus and we go through the judgment seat of Christ, each and every one of us is going to do that. We're going to stand before the Lord. It's not about sin. That's not what it's about. It's about what did I do for him? And that gold and silver and precious stones, I want a mountain of it. Not because I'm greedy, but because that's what I'm going to be able to say thank you to Jesus with. I don't want to show up with just a handful. This is what I did for you. No, no, no. I want everything. I want to live my life every moment of every day laying aside treasure in heaven. Does that sound familiar? Because we're going to throw it at the feet of Jesus. As a Bible college student, that transformed my life because then I stopped living out of fear. And I started living out of a completely different motivation. And that was, I want to do everything I can for my Savior. You said, Brother Ben, you promised you'd talk about the fire. Yeah. You know, the Catholics come to this passage and they get a doctrine called purgatory out of it where you've got to go to like a holding cell, a halfway point, and help Jesus pay for your sin because he can't quite pay for all of it. You need to help. We already answered that question. <laughs> That's an unbiblical doctrine. You don't find that anywhere in Scripture. It's saying Jesus wasn't strong enough. 
No, the fire falls. What fire? Yet so as by fire. The fire that just destroyed the building and left the, the permanent things there. Doesn't mean you have to go to purgatory. No, he shall suffer loss. What's that? Listen, you don't believe that you'll feel a sense of loss if you stand before the Lord and you could have had a mountain and all you've got is a handful because you squandered it? Oh, I believe that there'll be tears at the judgment seat of Christ. You're saying, well, he'll wipe away all tears from their eyes. Yeah, that happens after. It's not about sin, though. It's about stewardship. I'll close with this tonight. What gets rewards? Do you remember what Jesus said? A cup of cold water given in his name will have its what? Reward. I use myself as an illustration. Now I'm going to turn it around on you. What can you do that earns rewards? Well, Brother Ben, I don't like getting in front of people. No, but can you smile at a visitor? Do you realize you do that for the Lord? That's gold, silver, precious stones. Well, Brother Ben, I, I don't do much. I just teach a Sunday school class. You do that for the Lord? Gold, silver, precious stones. Brother Ben, I just, I just custodian. I just clean. Gold, silver, precious stones. I was preaching in Bay City, Michigan at a church. A man came up to me. Big guy, six foot four, six foot five maybe. He had a deep voice. I said, Brother Ben. Yes. <laughs> I just got released from prison. I said, great. <laughs> but he shared with me, he said, because of the nature of his crimes, he couldn't, there's a lot of things in the church he wasn't able to do. But he wanted to do, he got saved while he was in prison. But he said, I cut the grass for the church. And I thought it wasn't very important. But then he started crying. He said, after the message tonight, I realized I can sit on a lawnmower, cut grass, and earn rewards in heaven. I said, you got it, brother. That's right. Time is your opportunity to prepare for eternity. What are you doing for Jesus? I'd like every head bowed, every eye closed tonight. In a moment, pastor's going to come, as has been our custom this week. But friends, this message changed my life. I love sharing it with as many people as I can. Because I think we get stuck in that sin mode sometimes. We're, we're, we're worried about sin. And I'm not, I'm not saying take sin lightly. It's not what I'm saying. But that sin has already been dealt with on the other side of glory. We have to deal with it now as we live our day-to-day -day lives. But as we're talking about standing before the Lord, it's, much more, it's not a sin thing. It's a stewardship thing. How are you stewarding what God has given you? Maybe there's some different decisions you need to make. Maybe there's different spending habits you need to adjust. Maybe you need to look at yourself or you can ask pastor and say, hey, are there things around the church that I can do? How can I best use what God has given me? If you're here tonight saying, no, Brother Ben, I needed that tonight. That's me. Would you pray for me? I'm not going to point you out or embarrass you, but would you simply slip your hand up with me? Yes, amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. I see those folks of all ages. Amen. Anyone else tonight? Oh, I needed that, Brother Ben. Amen. By the way, let me let you know that even if this is the first time you thought about the judgment seat of Christ this way, you've already been working on your building. The moment you got saved and that foundation was laid, you started working on your building. So even if this is the first time you kind of thought about it in this particular way, you've been working on it.
Let everyone take heed how he builds thereon. I never want to leave a service, by the way, without asking if you need the Lord. If you're here tonight, you've not trusted Christ as your Savior. Oh, friend, tonight, would you do that? Maybe you're here tonight and say, you know, Brother Ben, I, I need to be saved. I've not trusted Christ, but I need to be. Would you pray for me? If that's you tonight, would you simply slip your hand up? Let me pray for you. My prayer will not save you, but I want to pray that the Lord will open up your eyes of understanding. Anyone else, anyone here tonight? Maybe you're watching online or listening to the recording. You just need to understand that you're a sinner. And that sin means an eternal separation from God forever in a terrible place called hell. But Jesus died and paid your sin debt. If you'll accept that, if you'll trust Him tonight, ask Him to forgive you, believe that He rose again from the dead, friend, you'll be saved. And your spiritual building will begin. Dear Lord, I thank You for the privilege it is to serve You. I love sharing this truth with people. It changed my life. Lord, You know that. I'm still, I'm far from perfect. Lord, I still fail. But that perspective means the world to me. I want to be able to say I love you with as many rewards as I can possibly get. Lord, many people lifted their hands tonight. I pray you'd help us to put down that flag post in the ground. Lord, from this point forward, I want to make sure that I, I do everything I can to earn those rewards. I'm sure many people here uh, have already been doing that. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to redouble our efforts while we can, because when you come back, it's too late for us to earn any more rewards. Help us, we ask. In your name I pray. Amen. Pastor, you come.